teach me to live. Uh, before, before we get rolling, just I want to understand this site, just where everybody's brain's at right now. How many are having a tough time not wondering what's going to go on right here? Is there anybody that's like, what's going to happen in the front? If you're, I mean, I figure there's like one or two of you, and we're going to try science in a little while. Um, I, if, if, you were to, if somebody were to describe me and give me 20 traits, science wouldn't be in any of those traits at all. So this will be an experiment for me also. But we're going to hopefully, hopefully have some fun today. Um, we're going to be in John 14, starting with verse 15. I'm going to, I think I'm going to work really fast today. And uh, I, I really only have one thought for this morning. <laughs> Uh, it's nothing that's going to blow anybody away. I, um, and I actually don't think that it's anything that's going to be earth-shattering in a way that you woke up this morning and go, I didn't know that. Sometimes it, sometimes it takes, in a, uh, sometimes it, it requires that we're told something that we already know, and it's, and it's shaped and organized in a way, or, or even like maybe uh, told to you amongst people that you feel uh, accountable to, to where you start to take it and go, yeah, that's probably true. I should live that way. And that happens a lot, I think, uh, on a lot of issues and a lot of topics through Scripture. And so this, this idea that uh, we're learning from two chapters in John, John 14 and 15, and how and we're, we're extrapolating uh, Jesus saying, here's how to live, or, uh, or we're saying to Jesus or, or to the Lord, teach us how to live. Last week, I, want, I gave us uh, an introductory type of message uh, to the whole series and with three questions that we need to ask ourselves. And three questions I think that we do ask ourselves, and maybe not with a spiritual focus or a biblical focus or even like our uh, with, with zero focus other than uh, our own wants. But the three questions were, do I know where I'm going? Do I know where I'm going? Uh, what path am I currently taking is the, is the second, path, or second question. Third question was, what do I hope my life will be? And I asked those three questions not to try to answer them last Sunday, but to, get, but to maybe make your brain start to think, uh, am I really thinking about where I'm going? Am I really thinking about the way I'm living? Am I really thinking about how I hope my life would be? And as you begin to filter your faith, you filter Christianity, you filter your, your personal study, or you filter your, just your life and your struggles through those questions, it, you start to get a kind of a, path, a clear path of where you're headed. I just, I will look around the room. I does anybody feel like I stare right at them when I'm looking around the room? I'm like, yeah, like I'm like direct, like I'm staring right into your eyes and be like, you and me, we're having a, having a moment here. I just looked at Terry and I'm like, I wonder if she thought I was staring directly at her. I was. <laughs> uh, I w- just, as I was saying that, I'm reminded that there's, there's these, Families, these couples, or the a woman that wakes up one morning and goes, "This isn't where my life I was planning on my life being. This was, isn't what I was hoping for my life. This was not. I don't want to be walking this particular path." 
How did I even get on this path? And that's in a, in a pregnancy kind of framework. I understand that. But we all have that. Some of it, things happen to us. They're given to us. They're, it's, people, are, people act upon us. And it's always less appealing when somebody acts upon you as opposed to making your own choice and landing somewhere you didn't want to be. Um, so we all, I think, struggle with those questions. Do I know where I'm going? Do I know the path I'm currently taking? What do I hope my life will be like? And so within that sort of kind of launch pad, we started to dig into John 14, if you remember, and how Jesus was saying, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. That's the, the, the part that we ended with, that the, the path is me, the destination is me, and I, I am the truth. So anything that you believe should come from me. Um, and that's great if you can live in kind of this, like, La La Land, and I made the point, remember last week, that like Thomas is, is the people's disciple. He's the one that stood up and said, nope, wait a second, Jesus, this makes zero sense to me. I don't understand what you're saying. Explain yourself. And we're grateful for that because then Jesus gets to go into more detail. And for the next three, two chapters, two chapters, he goes into more detail. He explains himself a little bit more about what he means by he's going to prepare a place, and in my house are many rooms, and I'm the way, and I'm the truth, and the life. Anything you want, ask in my name, and it'll be given to you. There's power and authority in, in, in my name, and, I, and you can have it. And, and Thomas is like, I don't understand. And so, so Jesus goes into what's called the upper room discourse. So if you ever are in like a trivia room and they're like, what's the sections of Scripture, John 14 through 16? That's called the upper room discourse. They're in the upper room. They just celebrated Passover. And, and Jesus is kind of giving uh, some final instructions before he goes to die. And so this is the upper room discourse. We're going to pick up at verse 15 of John chapter 14. And as soon as I say this, you're going to go, that's the point of the message. Verse 15 of John 14 says this. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. I'm done. There's nothing else to say. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. But like all classic pastors, we have to fill the room with our words and our, and our voice and fill up the, my hour of work for the week. So, I'm going to continue to read, and maybe help us get back to that verse, John 14, 15, and challenge us as a group. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. We're going to start talking about that next week, the Holy Spirit, the helper, to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you yet a little while, and the world will see me no more. But you will see me because I live. You also will live. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. 
Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and he will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. So I have one word is the title of this message. Obey. Obey. Now, you of parents who have little kids, that's like the paramount paramount task of your life right now. You are teaching your kids to obey. Every day is a lesson in obedience. Every day you are working tirelessly just to get your minions to follow your orders, to be the people that you hope them to be. Some of you are manipulating that path so that they'll do the things that you're supposed to do, like mow the lawn. We've just arrived there to where my kids now can mow the lawn and I can just watch them and critique their lines, and how it looks. But, that, but, we, but you're doing that. As parents, you're, 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 your effort is obedience. You're trying to teach them to obey. That your voice, your words, they matter. When you say something, you mean it. Obedience is, uh, you, I mean, I don't know if you say this at home, um, we have some phrases that we've used over time. We have some phrases in our house that we've used. Um, <laughs> one time, I, this is a side note. This isn't to be, I embarrassed somebody really bad one time by answering their phone and it rang on a Sunday morning. I just, I said, give me that phone. And I picked it up and it was, it was a, um, it was a girl's boyfriend. And I, it was, hello. And then, this is Jason. And he's like, who's Jason? I'm like, you called me. (laughs) And then this girl, oh, man, I I feel so bad for her. Uh, Brittany, her name's Brittany. Uh, She's, she can handle it. But she was like 18. And (laughs) I was like, I said, I'm in the middle of preaching. Somebody wants to get a hold of you really bad. I'm in the middle of preaching. And they're like, who's Jason? And I had this whole conversation back and forth with, with this guy. I have no idea who he is, right? I said, do you think it's surprising that you called me right here, right now? And it was just like crickets on the other side, silence. And then I gave the ultimate question. Do you know Jesus? And he hung up. He like just click as I handed the phone back to Brittany and I walked off and I kept doing what I was doing. I mean, that was a long time ago, like 15, probably 14 years ago. So she's like 32 now. That's crazy. That makes me feel way old. So we use some phrases in our house like uh, immediate obedience, right? Immediate obedience is a phrase uh, that we use and it's, it's hated, it's hated in our house. Like, as soon as Adrienne would go, it should be like, Shh, and then like somebody would throw something and walk away and not be obedient. But that's a battle that we have, right? As a parent, you're battling uh, your kids' obedience. How many, um, how many, so we have some good war stories. Like, 
Threatening to take your kids out of church and spank them is, is the, the penultimate punishment that you have. To, to pick them up, to scoop them, and to carry them on like this, and walk them out of, of the room, and everybody's kind of quiet for a second to see if you can hear them crying, or they're going to yell, and you're like, you're like, yes, right. I'm not the only one who wants to. We didn't ever. We never did that. We never removed our kids from church. We just threatened them that when we got home, it was going to get ugly. And I'm going to tell a horrible story right now. Come here, my son. I love you. This kid, this kid had the greatest phrase in the history of spankings. In the history of spankings. I mean, there's, there's never been a greater phrase than, than this one spoke. This smart aleck, little stinker of a son that I have that said the most amazing thing to my wife who's not, home right, not here right now because she's at home with a sick kid. But we threatened. We said, Caleb. Well, she did because I was probably up front. Caleb, this up. When we get home, you are going to get whooped. He's like 11, I think, at the time, 12. You are going to get spanked. Just, you know, like most kids, railed on. We get home from church, um, and they're downstairs, and Adrienne and Caleb are having their moment that, they, that had been promised during church, and she is struggling to spank him. Struggling! And, and just, like, you can, you can feel the tension downstairs building. You can hear the voice change just a little bit. Mom, you know what I'm talking about? The voice changes just a little bit, hits a different octave. There's a little bit more screech involved, and you, you can feel the pressure building, right? And so you, then you finally hear it. And then the line comes. You call that a spanking? You think that's good? It gets better. Go get dad. You call that a spanking? Go get dad. Now, as you get to know Dr. Faisal, you will understand that's not like a, like a, a thing she's going to follow through on. She's going to go, nope, I'm going to be the dad right now. And it escalated quickly. So quickly that everything changed from then on out. And we haven't really, ta- that's the first time I talked to Caleb in three years right there. No, it was, but she took, she got serious. But that's, you know that battle, right? That, that particular moment didn't happen in your house, but you have your moment to where you're going, just obey. If you just would listen and follow my directions, things would turn out well for you. Like you could actually walk the path that we're creating for you. We are generating this massive tailwind behind you. And if you just listen and obey Everything will be so great for you. Now, as they're little, you're just trying to get them to trust your voice, to hear your voice, to know your voice, to know you mean business, to know the, play, know the boundaries. But, but the point is, is you're trying to keep them in the right path so that when the time comes to give them the spanking, they know what it means and that it's purposeful. Obedience is a struggle that we all have with. Now, you guys can all go in your mental Rolodex and say, when have I 
not been obedient to the person I should have been obedient to, whether it's at school, whether it's to your own parents, whether it's to your spouse, whether whatever it is. And we, the fallout of, of lack of obedience is, is tremendous at times. Let's look at the text a little bit. If, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. If you love me, you'll follow what I've told you to do. He doesn't describe what those commandments are. He doesn't say, here's the commandments, here's the list. He's not, uh, he's not giving them the, the one, two, three, or four, the how-to. And then he says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. So he's saying, if you love me, follow my commandments. And I know it's going to be hard, so here's what's going to happen. I'm going to give you someone to help. I'm going to give you an assist. There's going to be somebody who's going to walk with you and show you how to follow the things I've taught you. Going down to verse 18, he says, I I will not leave you as orphans. What a beautiful phrase in Scripture. I will not leave you alone. You will not be by yourself. And this is a theme that John runs through his entire gospel, the evangelist. He he regularly invites or tells, uh, uses, he regularly portrays Jesus as talking about family. John 1.12 for those who believe in him, believe in Jesus, they have what? The right to become children of God. You're part of the family. I will not leave you as orphans. You're not going to be left alone. I will come to you. Yet a little while and the world will not see me anymore. But you will see me because I live. You also will live. It's this, this concept that they're not quite grasping yet. He's giving them the final parting shots. This is what happens. I'm going to the cross I'm not laying it out specifically, even though I kind of have, but I'm saying I'm going to go away, but I'm not leaving you alone. You won't be by yourself, and this path that's going to feel weird and clunky and hard, and maybe you're not going to understand how to walk, I'm going to leave you somebody that's going to help you. I'm going to give you a compass. I'm going to give you something to give you direction. I'm going to give you a helper, and like I said, we're going to talk about that next week. I'm going to give you a roadmap to where you can continue to walk with me. You won't be alone. You're still part of my family. I'm not alienating you. You're not an orphan. You're not fatherless. You have me. And the Father in heaven loves you because you love me, is what he's saying. If you love me, you love the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you walk with me, you walk with the Father. These are great promises that we have. Not a ton of detail, but great promises. Just obey my commandments. Go down to verse 21. He repeats this phrase again. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. If you have them, you keep them, you hold them. If you obey, you show that you love me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. If you walk with me and keep my commandments, I'll love you. And, it, and if you love me and I love you, my Father loves you. And that's really the key. Skipping down to verse 24, he repeats himself again. Whoever does not love me, but he flips it. Whoever does not love me, he does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. What are the commandments? 
Just tell us what we're supposed to do. How many are wired that way? Be honest. Like just, hey, give me the list. I'll follow the list. I'll check the boxes. And then I'm done. I know I've accomplished my purpose, right? Is anybody like that? A box checker? How many of you make to-do lists that already have like four things done just so you can get momentum? That's not the right way to do it, by the way. (laughs) Did you say false? You're like, no, I got to pad my to-do list so it feels like I've accomplished. And you got one thing done and the four things you got done yesterday that you added to the list today. But that's, we're wired that way. Give us the list. We can do the list. If I can see what to do, then I'll do it. The disciples were given lots of lessons, but it was, it, rarely did he sit down and say, go, step one is do this, step two is do this, step three is do this, and then you will be. It was all caught. Everything was caught. Walk with me, and I'll show you how to live. He gave some specific rules, like in the Sermon on the Mount, right? Here's how we're going to live a little bit. But still, some of it's just like, watch what I do. So what are the two commandments? We know them, right? Love who? Love the Lord your God. What's the other one? Love your neighbor as yourself. And, and he said that to them multiple times. And even the disciples come and said, well, who's the greatest? You're missing the point, friends. You're missing the point. It's not who's the greatest. It's that we love one another. I just saw two kids making faces at each other. One mom give the elbow and the other mom's absent. This is our church. I love it. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Love God. Love each other. Love each other. Love each other. It's easy to love the people we like a lot. Yesterday, yesterday, I I can't remember exactly how she said it to me. But Adrienne goes, I'm kind of sick of the way that you're talking to me. I'm like, I, I don't even know what I'm doing. <laughs> like, I, like, I didn't say that because that was bad. That would have been bad. But, but there's something that she was cluing in on that I was doing or saying or acting that she didn't like and if she wasn't feeling loved. Her way of, she wouldn't say, I don't feel loved by you. But after being together for 20 years, I know when she says, I don't like what you're doing, that's like, I don't feel loved by you. Well, I'm her biggest fan. But if there's moments in our relationship where she can still experience my lack of connection or my lack of love or my lack of support or my lack of side hug or whatever it is and feel disconnected from me, even though, even though we're in it together, we're in, the po- we're in the bunker together, we're fighting together, and she still feels that, that should be a clear warning sign to all these other relationships that we have. The love one another's are not simple when you can't do that to your spouse. And you let her down or him down. What's it look like when we step out into the world? It is so easy just to walk by. Now, this is a lot of stories today that I'm telling. Yesterday, we, my, my wife again, she's not here, but she, she saw this young girl like kind of running down the street with an ankle bracelet um, tracker on. That should set off warning signs, right? Like a seven or eight-year-old. 
just kind of running. No shoes. Like all the, all the warning signs of like, there's something weird going on here. This kid should not be running down 12th and by herself. It's raining. She has her dress over her head. It's, she, so she drove by because we kind of all do that a little bit, right? We're like, eh, do I want to take the time? What's this going to get me into? You start to weigh the, the potential outcomes of, what you're, of stepping into loving someone else. And you go, ugh. And she's like, I can't let it go. So she pulls into the parking lot, like, like where the, um, like, there's that tax place and the coffee place and, like, big lots, like, right there. And starts to corral this girl. And then this other car comes in, and Adrienne's like, is this person trying to take this girl? What's going on? So she gets on the phone, calls 911, and then, the, like, the girl's, like, running around. And, like, happy, but, like, running around. And, like, could run out in the middle of the road. You know, the fire station's across the street. So it's like, and anyway, people in the, in the copy line are like, what's going on here? And she's, like, trying to get her to not. She's telling the story. Like, she's trying to not get her. Like, she shouldn't run in the street. Eventually, the police show up. They know who she is. It's happened before. There's a reason there's a, a, a tracker bracelet on. Dad shows up, I believe, is what the end of the story was, or somebody, a, a, a caregiver. But it was, like, Adrienne said for, like, four or five hours, I can't, I can't shake that this thing happened. Like, and I know she was glad that she stopped. But how many of us, maybe not with a little kid, but how many of us just kind of drive by in those situations? We just drive by. We go on with our day. And we get that little nudge. We're like, ah, should I do this? No, I'm going to keep going. How many of us? Now, that's a big incident, right? But if you take it down to like a, like a micro level, how many of us do that with people where we just kind of blow by them? And we just, we just kind of ignore the potential conversation. If you love me, you'll obey my commandments. My commandments are to love God and to love others. That, that's an expansive rule. Love others. So I have two thoughts. Just fill in the blank. <laughs> Obedience catalyzes love. Now everybody's like, catalyzes. Now you're going, science, right? So we're going to do some science. Obedient, I'm going to give you these two points. Obedience catalyzes love. What's, what's a catalyst, right? You guys know what a catalyst is? It's something that pushes it or keeps it going or like accelerates it, makes it happen, helps it, pushes it. Obedience, obedience pushes, accelerates, makes it happen, makes love happen, Right? Now, the second one is love produces obedience. Love produces obedience. So love can create obedience. Jesus says, if you love me, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Caleb, I'm going to ask you to come up here and help me just hold this. Try to hold it in my mouth. Okay. Um, kids, hey, kids, if you want to come see this close by, come sit in the front row. If all the kids want to come here... This, don't spill the coffee on your way up. All right, hold that. Try to, um, try to keep it. All right, so this is, um, this is a catalyst experiment. So we're going to use, um, this is 
Did anybody, any of you uh, 90s kid, anybody watch Mr. Wizard? You guys know who Mr. Wizard is? Like Nickelodeon? He was this crazy guy that did all kinds of nutty stuff and like had kids over his house, which is kind of creepy in a way. And then they would do science experiences in his kitchen and then they would leave. And I'm like, my mom would never let me go out of this guy's house. Anyway, um, this is 3% hydrogen peroxide. Hydrogen peroxide is H2O2. So it has an, uh, a what? An extra? It's got an extra oxygen. So it's 3%. So this is low-grade hydrogen peroxide. You can, you can, it, does anybody have a wound that we can clean out? If, it would be really fun if we had 6%, the kind of stuff that you use at the hair salon. And I tried to get my wife to get it, but it wasn't the right stuff. Um, so we're going we're gonna to pour a bunch of this in here. We have to go to the bathroom? I don't know if that's the right way to do it. This might make a mess. Okay. Oh, hey, uh, can somebody go in the kitchen and grab me some dish soap? I forgot the dish soap. So we need dish soap in here. And then um, let's put, actually, I need the dish soap first. So, Leah, you're going to go fast, I think. And then we're going to use some food coloring. Which colors you want? Let's just use all three food colorings. We're going to use blue. We're going to use green. We're going to use red. Thank you. We're going to use some uh, palm olive extra strength. Has anybody seen this before? Okay, this is, I mean, this is, this is, I mean, this is fantastic. This is super exciting. So let's put some, let's put some food coloring in there. We're going to put a little blue. Blue. Ooh. What if it doesn't work? Will anybody be disappointed if it doesn't work? We'll put some green. I'm not going to be disappointed because we somehow figured out how to do science in the middle of church. No, we don't, we don't. Okay, so we put, we put some different colors in here. And now... This is, this is yeast, and we use yeast to do what? Make what happen? Bread, right? Some warm water. Um, what do you think? Do you think, do you think I'd be a guy who would practice anything like this? Okay, which one of these ingredients is the catalyst? Does anybody know? The yeast is the catalyst. Because nothing happened yet, right? We didn't do anything. We just put all these kind of ingredients into this one. Oops. We're going to have to hire a janitor here. We put all these, well, put all these ingredients in here. Kind of mixed up. But nothing happened. But then I'm going to put the catalyst, the thing that makes something happen, right? So what do we say? I said that obedience catalyzes love. So when, you're, when you obey, it makes your love explode, because you're obeying. Let's try it. Is it going to work? We're going to make a mess. Thank you. Oh, that is disgusting. So now, here's the deal. Parents, you guys can go back to your seat. You've seen what happens. It's, kinda, it's just going to foam for a while. Don't ever touch this. But parents, here's what you can do. You, you can do this at home, but you can do it with 6%. 6% will go boom. You can go find some like 12 to 15%, and that is a fountain of fun. All right, go back to your seats, kids. Thanks for watching my science. Now, see, what happens, don't touch it. Don't touch it. No, here comes the blue. Oh, my goodness, it's so hard to not look at. 
It's just foam, but don't touch it. All right, go back to your seats. I'm scared one of you going to touch it. We don't have, we didn't get waivers signed. There'd be all kinds of stuff happening here. So the catalyst, right? The, the, the ingredient that came in and accelerated, pushed, made the thing happen, right? Our, our obedience, our obedience is the thing that accelerates, produces the love within us. As we obey, as we obey, we show that we love. As we obey, we, we are filled with this love. When we obey, we want to align everything that we are, everything that we have, and everything that we're going to do with what God's called us to do. And Jesus is saying that, if you love me, if you love me, obey me. Obey the commandments I have for you. Love me. Love others. Obedience catalyzes it. It like shoots it into the next space, right? We can meander through obedience. It's easy to meander through obedience. You can like lazily be, obey people. You can see that in your own life, in your own family, and, and like your kids do that. They just kind of do part of obedience. But what's the next part? Love. Love actually produces obedience. So these things work together. It's this circle Or if you wanted to do the infinity thing, they're dependent on each other. When you obey, you love. When you love, you obey. I'm going to say it again. When you obey, you love. When you love, you obey. Jesus is saying, love me, because then you'll obey. And obey me, because then you'll love. And it's not... Science. It's just easy peasy. Love and obey. Love and obey. Now, here's who complicates it. Us. We complicate what obedience looks like. We make obedience look like all sorts of things. We all have different rules in our household. We all have different like things that we believe in that are more important than others. Some of us care about language, some don't. Some care about what our kids see, some don't. We have different rules, don't we? But when we start to apply our rules to other people, we become legalists. Especially when it's about the rules and not about love. Have you ever influenced somebody so much that they begin to emulate the way that you live? The church, the church is dangerous in that space. And in fact, I, this, is, I'm not, this is not an encouraging thing I'm going to say. We hurt each other by making each other feel like we need to look like each other. There is no love there. When we love each other, when we love each other, we don't look at one another as the way that we're supposed to act and emulate. We love the Lord and we follow what he's called us to do. I asked a stupid question in this church, and I'm going to make somebody bristle here. Uh, How many of you get vaccines? We all do it differently, don't we? Does that mean that each one of us is one's good and one's bad? No, we just live the way that we live. But if we were to love each other, we wouldn't apply our own version of the way in which we want to live in this kind of weird practical way. 
to other people. We would love the Lord, and we would love one another, and then we would sort this other stuff up. And here's what happens. When we love the Lord, love one another, you know what the thing that increases and explodes? It's called grace. Grace starts to fall all over the place. So when I say, teach us to live, Lord, here's what needs to be happening. This grace life needs to be pouring out everywhere so that when we talk with one another and care for one another, we can actually exhibit grace to one another and show love and compassion to one another and not judge them based on the things that we want or we need or we think that they're supposed to be living. See, that is really dangerous, and the church lives hard in that space. We judge people who come in who don't look like us, talk like us, Vote like us. And I don't want to do that. I want to love people and care for people and teach them to love the Lord. And you know what he does? He aligns them with his commandments. So the questions that I asked last week, do I know where I'm going? Do I know the path I'm currently taking? Do I, ho- do I know what I hope my life to be or what do I hope my life to be, right? As you love God, as you start to have this vertical relationship with him, you know what he does? He shapes those questions to be the answers he needs from you. Not all of us are called to go overseas and be missionaries. Not all of us are called to stand and be in this particular position that I'm currently in. Some of you are engineers and electricians. Some of you are construction workers. Some of you are in military. Some of you, we all have different callings in our life. If we all looked the same, we would be a boring world. And nothing would get done because we just critique each other's jobs. But as we are, are in line with the Lord, grace becomes this kind of currency that we use and spend on one another. So obedience catalyzes love. Love produces obedience. This is that vertical relationship, right? So what is love? Love is these few things. I mean, there's a list that we could create that's super long. I'm going to give you three that I just kind of feel good about for myself. Like these, love is craving the Lord. When you love God, you're craving Him. You want more of Him. You, want, you, you just long to, 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 to taste and see what God can do in your life and in the people around you. Love is preferring the Lord. Think of all the things that you like. Do you prefer the Lord over the things that you like? Can you honestly look at your spouse or look at your kids and say, I love you, but I love Jesus more? That's a hard one. It is. Because we live and die for our our minions. We live and die for our spouses. We live and die for these relationships. But love is preferring Jesus over all. And love, and I said this last week a lot, is orientating your entire life around the person of Christ. That your entire life is focused on making sure that you have the right path towards Jesus. He is the destination. We brought out the compass. Remember the compass story? It's in story time with Jason. I bought the compass because I'm a bad shopper for school supplies. Are you orienting, orientating your life to the person of Jesus? That's love. To where you become aligned with his purposes and who he is.